Thanks for choosing to listen to another City Point West podcast. I trust that this message empowers and encourages you to continue your journey of faith. Enjoy. Hey, I really want to just really nut down some honest, clear, grassroots pictures for how we live our lives. Anyone give me permission for that? All right. All of you said yes. If you get up and walk out in my message, I know that you are lying. Uh, well, what a day we live in. If you missed it, we had an election yesterday. And uh, welcome to the new Australia, everybody. Uh, anyone grateful that politicians aren't the answer for Australia? They're not the hope of our world. Anyone grateful for that? Anyone grateful that Jesus is the hope of Australia? He is the hope of the world. Yes, we need to pray for our politicians. There's no doubt about it. Probably more than ever. Uh, and make sure that we do that. Uh, Pastor Mark made a statement. And for those of you uh, that were there with us at our um, Vision Builders during the week, he made a statement. And I feel like it's really apt for what's just happened over the last couple of days. He made this statement. He said, uh, welcome to Babylon. This is the new picture of Australia, the post-Christian world where we are dealing with a spirit of the age that is aggressively anti-God, anti-church, anti-everything that we are. This is the reality of what we live in. And uh, I, I think uh, just looking through uh, what, I, what I see is the underwriting picture for the Greens, for example, if you're a Greens voter, I apologise. Uh, but for the Greens, they're... they're climate change and their environmental policies seem to go along the lines of this. If we get rid of all the Christians and the fundamentals in Australia, climate change will be better. That's how I seem to understand it. Uh, I could be wrong. I'm just, that's just how I read the situation. Again, remember I said I'm going to be honest today. Uh, we, we are in a very crazy, strange political environment. We live in this crazy, strange times. And listen, uh, it really comes back to what I preached about last week and I want to flow off the back of today. What we sow is what we reap. And I talked about the pain of the result. Uh, the reality for our lives is we usually get to the result and we realise that what we've sown has put us in that place. I, I clarified last week saying, listen, I know some of you are a result of challenging growing up that you had nothing to do with. You come into an environment, you're born into an environment that is difficult and that has been tough for you. Maybe there's been abuse in your life. And listen, I, I wanna come to the reality and say again, it still is now the future of your life is a result of what you're sowing today. The abuse and those things cause it to be a little bit more difficult. I understand that. And I, and I don't wanna discredit the reality of that, but the same principles apply. What we sow is what we reap. We looked at Galatians chapter six, Last week, verse seven to nine, it says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man or woman, a person, sows that he or she will also reap. For he sows of the flesh, will of the flesh reap corruption. He who sows of the Spirit, will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary in doing good. Let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we will not lose heart. Listen, Paul doesn't beat around the bush here. Paul's honest with us. Paul lays it out simply and clearly. He said, your future reaping is attached to your sowing today. 
your future outworking of life is attached to your decisions today. Your future outworking to, of your life is attached to what you do with your life today. He says, what you sow into today, how you live your life today, your actions of today, your thinking of today, all are going to dictate the outcomes of your future and the outcomes of what you reap as you take the next step. Listen, I speak to the married people in the room today. If you sow love into your marriage today, you will reap love into your marriage in the future. I've had people come to me and say, I don't know what happened to my marriage. Just one day it went bad. Listen, if that's your thinking, you are deceived. There's never a moment that one day my marriage went bad. There is a decade of bad sowing into your marriage that brings bad results into your future. Yes, one day your wife's just had enough of you, stupid man. But she's had enough for a long period of time. She's born with your stupidity because she's married to you. And one day she's just had enough. Listen, it's 10 years of pain. Remember I said I was going to be honest and you said I could be today. For all the husbands in the room, for someone love into our marriage, we're building love into our marriage. We build love and we reap love into the future. Listen, if you sow sin and bad choices into your spiritual life, Paul's very clear. If you sow of the flesh, you'll of the flesh reap corruption. Praise God for grace and repentance. But listen, if you keep making bad, sinful decisions, there's pain in your future. God can forgive you. Listen, God can even come come sometimes and heal those things. But listen, If we keep making bad decisions, if we keep making sinful choices, those sinful things are going to destroy our lives. Whatever a man sows, Paul says, that he will also reap. But listen, he says, if we keep sowing, we'll reap in good time. We'll reap good things as we continue to sow. On the same note, if we continue to sow negative, we'll reap those negative and in due time. Notice he says that, in due time. Sometimes the sowing gives us a long-term reaping. Again, in our marriages, if you've sown negative into your marriage, doing one good thing doesn't fix your marriage. Posting on social media, you love your wife and you gave her three roses, doesn't fix 10 years of bad outworking of marriage. Can I have an amen from any wife in the room that agrees with me? He says, in due time, thank you. In due time, you shall reap. Listen, sowing has long-term outcomes for our lives. Again, our marriages didn't all of a sudden become a disaster. Our financial situation didn't all of a sudden become a disaster. The, The situations in our work environment didn't all of a sudden become a disaster. Our friendships didn't all of a sudden become a disaster. The mess and the brokenness of our world didn't all of a sudden become a disaster. We spent years making those disasters or building those great pictures of right now flourishing in our lives, in our finances, in our marriages, in our outworking of our business life. Those things are all long-term outcomes in who we are. Listen, today, I would love to, and last week I spoke around those things a lot in every area of our life but I'd like to direct a little bit into financial areas. Listen, I wanna be really clear. I am no financial planner. I wanna be really clear. I I am no expert when it comes to finances. Uh, 
Listen, I also am very careful speaking about this because it's a touchy subject. Many of us, there's probably two things that are really touchy. We don't like talking about sex and we don't like talking about money. We, we don't like those things. We, we live in a, in a world that doesn't want to hear truth when it comes to these things. Usually they don't want to hear truth so that when the outcomes are bad, they come back and say, I can blame somebody else. If they hear truth, then the outcomes are bad. We realise it's my fault. Anyone ever had a my fault moment when things have got bad outcomes? I have. Unfortunately, through my early life, my dad told me a lot. I sat in a lot of meetings like this and I still had bad outcomes because I didn't listen a lot and I didn't like to listen. I know none of you in the room would be anything like that, but let's get on with the Word of God, shall we, this morning? I want to pick up a story in Mark chapter 10. And it's a story when Jesus is talking to a young guy that comes and says to Jesus, listen, how do I, how do I inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, listen, go into the Word of God, let the Word of God speak to you. And it says, you know, love your brother, love God. He says, I've done all those things. And Jesus throws a challenge to him. He sees that he's a rich young man. He says, hey, listen, I want you to sell everything you have and go and give it to the poor and follow after me. The Bible says that rich young ruler was, was blown away by that statement and a little overwhelmed. We don't know what happened to him in the fullness of his life. But at that moment, he walked away from Jesus, overwhelmed at the challenge that Jesus threw to him. Now, I, I, I want to pick up Jesus' response to the overwhelmed picture that was in the guy's life because Jesus turns around to his disciples and he talks to them and he makes a statement in verse 23. He says, How hard is it for those who have riches to enter into the kingdom of God? He makes that statement for pretty clear reasons. He, he makes that statement because, listen, when we don't have physical need, sometimes we don't realise our great need for a saviour. We can hide our eternal, internal emotional needs, our internal spiritual needs. We, we can hide them in alcoholism, etc., etc., and don't walk in the full needs that are there for our lives. He says it's tough. Sometimes they have what they physically need, so they miss the reality that there is actually deep need for their lives. If we read on further in verse 24, and his disciples were astonished at those words. If you've got your Bible open, put your finger there for a second because we're coming back to that. Jesus answered again. I've told you this a lot of times. If Jesus says something once, it's important. If He says it twice, take note. It's like mum. If she says something once, it's important. If she says it twice, you're about to cop a whooping. You know what I'm saying? This is what's going on with Jesus right here. And Jesus says to them again, Children, how hard is it for those, listen, He re-clarifies, who trust in the riches, who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. He reclarifies. He, he says, now, how hard is it for those who their trust is in finances, whose trust is in riches, not just that are rich, but whose trust is in riches, who puts their trust in something other than God. He says, listen, those people, it's very, very difficult. This is a very important reclarification for our lives. Where our trust is, what are we trusting in? Are we trusting in finances? Jesus is saying, listen, if their trust is in their money alone, it's very difficult to come and fully trust in God. 
He goes and says, It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Listen to this. And they were greatly astonished a second time, saying amongst themselves, Who then can be saved? Finally, uh, but Jesus looked at them and said, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Do you know it's always impossible? If you walk into this room, think you could ever be good enough to be saved, you could ever give enough, you could ever outwork your life, wonderfully enough, you miss the beauty of the gospel. With men it's impossible. With Christ, all things are possible. I want you to note something in the middle of this. Twice they were astonished. Twice they were blown away that Jesus would make this statement about people with finances. And then He says this, and they say amongst themselves, who can be saved? Listen, if those guys were poor, they would have said, oh, thank God, we're fine. This is easy. But they were astonished. And they said, Jesus, how are we going to be saved? I, I read to that, to the reality that these are men that actually had some money. Listen, these are the guys that were fishing and Jesus says, follow me. And they cast out the nets a final time and they were breaking. These are the guys that got to the point where they actually uh, obviously had some money. And, and if we look at Jesus, when He was born, what was He given? Large gifts of great wealth. These are guys that are standing here talking about the challenge of finance with an understanding of finance. Listen, I, I want to stand here really clearly today because there's great myths and great misunderstandings around these passages of Scripture. Sometimes we feel like God's saying, you need to give away everything and be totally poor. But that's not what Jesus is actually saying right here. Jesus is talking to His disciples who understood wealth, who understood money, who understood finance. And listen, we as a church need to understand wealth, money and finance because they are godly principles for our life. And I want to open that and show you a little bit today. These are godly principles. I want to be really clear. I am not talking about prosperity gospel. I'm not talking about if you sow, you'll be the richest person in the world. I in no way believe the truth of that. That is a lie and it's from the pit of hell. I'm not talking about those things. I'm talking about the reality that God's blessing is something that's on our lives. And Jesus didn't come from a point of not knowing and understanding blessing. He spoke to men who were blessed, who were challenged by His statement as His disciples. Listen, he said, we all would be unsaved if it wasn't for the beautiful grace that's in Jesus Christ. Paul discusses finances and the Bible's full of discussions around finances. In 1 Timothy, he writes to a young leader. And I'd love to say that's still me, but I feel like that's gone past a long time ago. He writes to young Timothy here. And he speaks to young Timothy about his leadership in the local church in leading people. And he says this, now, Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world and we certainly carry nothing out. And having food and clothing with these, we shall be content. Let me just say that word contentment is a word that means having all sufficiency in Christ. Having all sufficiency in Christ. It has nothing to do with your wallet. Sufficiency in Christ is an internal aspect of our world. Your wallet could be full and empty and you need to learn how to be content in both. Paul said, I knew how to be rich and I knew how to be poor. What I learned is to be content in both aspects of my life. 
And I want to be really clear, every one of us in this room, whether you've got a full wallet today or an empty one, we've all had moments when our wallets are full and moments when our wallets are empty. All of us have. And the contentment comes in Christ, not in our wallets. Anyone grateful that contentment is in Jesus? It's a place in our hearts. It's a place as we're connected with Christ, connected with who He is, that we have that contentment. But Paul didn't finish there. He goes on, he says, Those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. Now, I'm always really reticent to just take a couple of verses out of context and I'm not trying to do that today. There's so much to this chapter that I don't have the time to really go through. But let me break down as best I can just these verses and lead into a few more to follow. He said, those who desire, listen, that desire isn't, gee, I'd like to have some money. That, that would be helpful, you know, if I can get through the next week, I'd like to have. That's not the desire he's talking about. If you look at that word, it's a strong word. We don't get it so clearly in the English, but the, the Greek word there is a strong word. It talks about an internal drive that's underlining every intention of our planning. It's a desire or an internal drive that takes us past contentment. It takes us past Christ and it just puts our focus solely on money. Has anyone ever seen a Christian that has found Jesus, but something shifted in their world and two years later, they're not even in the house of God anymore? Because that desire has shifted. The contentment's gone and they're running after one thing and one thing alone. They haven't got time to be in the house of God. They haven't got time to fellowship. They haven't got time to read the Word. They haven't got time to pray. Their drive is so clearly there. This is what he's talking about. That desire isn't just, oh, I need some money. That desire is an internal system that wholly takes over our lives. He says this, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Listen, has anyone ever like thought about the Bible? Is it really relevant today? I feel when I read these verses, it has never been more relevant than in our day and age. That this root of evil isn't money, but the love of money, mammon, this love of the financial system of the world that so deeply gets ingrained in our hearts that we shift our eyes off Christ and shift our eyes onto finances alone. Listen, he says, some have strayed in their faith. I've watched people stray in their faith away from Christ and and throw away marriages in the pursuit of money throw away friendships in the pursuit of money, throw away their kids in the pursuit of money, throw away the house of God, the kingdom of God, the purposes of God in the pursuit of money. I have watched people throw away everything that they had in the pursuit of this. And here Paul addresses it. Listen, young Timothy, in training people, help them to find contentment in Christ. But listen, Paul doesn't leave it there. If we skip down a couple of verses, he makes a really incredible statement. He says, Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud nor to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good, that they should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to 
share with others. Listen, can I, can I just really stop here for a second again? Listen, I'm not preaching prosperity doctrine. That's, again, I'm not doing that. I'm preaching the fact that Paul now speaks to Timothy and says, be careful that people don't get drawn away with this whole desire that envelops their life when it comes to finances. But he also comes and says, there are going to be people that have money in your church. There are going to be people in your world that are rich. There are going to be people around you that do have finances. Now, your job, Timothy, is not to take away all their money. You're not, your job isn't to tell them to become poor. Your job is to tell them just to be careful what happens in that area of their life and make sure they're able to know how to sow and reap really well. Know how to be generous. Know how to give. Know how to be a blessing to somebody around them. Know how to stand with somebody when they're going through a tough time and blessing them and being with them and know how to come into the house of God and have a vision for sowing into what we just saw up on the screen and many other great things we do as a church. How to be a blessing to others and be a blessing to the kingdom of God. Paul's really clear on what he says there. There will be some that have finance and they have a gift of God on their lives. That is something that God's placed in them to be able to grow in that aspect of their world. Listen, teach them to make sure it doesn't get drawn away and they're able to continue to sow as they continue to do that. He does the same when he speaks to the Corinthian church. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 10, he says, Here's my advice. It would be good for you to finish what you started a year ago. Last year, you were the first who wanted to give and you were the first to begin doing it. Now you should finish what you started. Let the eagerness you showed in the beginning be matched now by your giving. Give in appropriation, listen, to what you have. Listen, Paul's writing to a church and he says, you have to have something to be able to give. He goes on, he says it again. Remember, when he says things twice, it's important. Whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly or with a good heart and give according to what you have, not what you don't have. Isn't this an incredible picture? Listen, Paul's spoken to Timothy and said, hey, Timothy, those that have, encourage them to be able to give. And now he speaks to the Corinthian church. He said, hey, Corinth, you were so eager to give and eager to sow. I encourage you to keep doing it. Don't give what you don't have, but out of what you do have, learn the power of sowing continually with what you have. Listen, one of these great myths is we as Christians need to have no money. I don't see Paul speak about that. I definitely don't see Jesus speak about that. Jesus, in fact, goes the opposite angle and speaks about the fact that we are saved not by our money, but by our gifts. We're saved by grace and talks to those guys about the fact they understand they're having money. I want to take again to what Paul says in the Galatians church. Let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season, we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Listen, we, we come into Faith, Love, Hope. We talk about giving during this season. And again, I know it's awkward for some of us and I, and I know sometimes we're not sure how to really deal with that. And, and I trust you can continually grow in your understanding of it. I am so grateful that I had a father that taught me from being four or five years old, learning the power of giving and knowing the great blessing that has flown on my life, obviously for 20 years being 25. I, you know, it's been the blessing that has continued to flow. Over these, great, over these great many years of my life. 
I'm grateful for that. And listen, in the room, if it's something that you struggle with, I trust over this season that something that God can help you start to understand. Remember, I told you I'm going to be honest. Honestly, giving is the greatest aspect of my world and I'm grateful that God has blessed me enough that I can. I'm grateful for that. In fact, two years ago in Faith, Love and Hope, on the cross right here, I put up, God, open you doorways of blessing into my life so that I can be a greater blessing. And over these last two years, I am so grateful for the doors that God has opened for me to be a blessing to my family, be a blessing to this house of God, able to give more than I ever have before and be a blessing to other kids that have come into my world as well. I am grateful for that. So grateful. But understand this, as Paul says right here, let us not grow weary doing good for in due season you shall reap if you not lose heart. There is a time to reap. There's a time to receive, but that's a play on words as well because it takes time to reap. Remember, what we reap is what we've sown. I wanna just for a moment get really practical and honest. If you wanna reap in your life financially, so that you can be a greater blessing, you need to sow the right things into your life financially. Again, I'm no financial advisor, but I wanna give some really simple practical tips. Can I do that today? Simple practical tips that you could build yourself into a place, like Paul says to the Corinthian church, you have something to give. You have something in your life, something simple and something easy. Let me go as practical as I can. If you want to have something to give, you need to set a financial plan to be able to give. Now, again, I'm no financial planner. If, if you want to get some really good advice on this, go and see a financial planner. Go and see someone that can help you do this. But you need to actually set a plan. Because listen, a bad financial plan will give you bad financial outcomes. Even worse, no financial plan will certainly give you bad financial outcomes. Having no plan is just as bad as having a bad plan. If you don't know where your money is going, you're not being a just steward of the finances that come to your life. Listen, here we read in Luke, Jesus speaking, He says, He is faithful in what is least, is faithful in much. He's unjust in what is least, is unjust also in much. We have to be faithful with what God puts into our lives and having a plan is what makes us faithful. It's what makes us fruitful. The parable of the steward shows us this. You know, the, the power, parable uh, of the sower shows us this. It's so important to really understand that these parables all speak to us about actually thinking through our lives and planning out how we're gonna walk forward with our finances. This parable that he's speaking here about is about being fruitful with our lives, about making sure we make the right decisions with our lives. Here's, here's the thing, bad financial decisions or no financial planning, we, we look at the reality of that, the outcomes are always negative, the outcomes are always tough. And here's the challenge with money. Dave Martin says this, money always highlights what's already in our lives. People that win the lottery, Highlight if they have a drug problem, now they have a big drug problem. People that win the lottery, if they have an alcohol problem, now they've got a massive alcohol problem. 
People that win the lottery, if they have a pornography issue, it's a massive one. A lust issue, it's a massive one. People that are generous and wise with their money, when money comes, it highlights their generosity and their wisdom. And they enlarge with what's there. Listen, having a good plan helps us to get to a point that we can build that further in our lives. Parable of the sower. God wants what is fruitful. You can't be fruitful unless you start with a plan. Listen, sometimes they could be small plans. If you're in this room and you have never thought about a financial plan, you, you could start by things as simple as this. I want to have money left over at the end of the week. Listen, I know this is like grassroots, simple plan, but it's a start. I want to start to save for something. You could look and say, hey, I want, to, I want to be able to purchase a car because I'm sick of the bus. So I want money left over at the end of the week so I can start to save for a car. I want to be really clear. Here's my little side note for today. Don't go buying no cars that is going to cost you too much so you can drive around and try and impress some people that don't even care about your car. <laughs> Just to put yourself into debt for the sake of debt. Maybe you're saying, I want to save to buy a house. Investment that can help grow as the housing market has continued to grow over these coming years. Again, I'm no financial advisor, but simple things. Start with a plan. Start with something simple. Start at the beginning. Secondly, I'd say to you, get good advice and good encouragement. If you want to build a good financial plan, go and see a financial advisor that can help you do that. Go and speak to somebody here in the house of God that you see has done well with their finances. Ask them to help encourage you. Maybe help mentor you in how to build a good financial asset to your world and to your life. I read recently, studies show that on average, you'll be within 10% of your 10 closest friends in your financial income. Some of us think, well, I need to change some friends. Listen, that could be the case. Maybe if you've had negative people speaking into your financial world for such a long period of time, you, you haven't been able to even get out of poverty and get out of barely having a cent to your name. Maybe it's time to get some new friends that can encourage you. Not, not give you money, give you good advice, good wisdom, godly wisdom. Help you understand some principles of your life, some principles for how you want to grow and be something uh, effective. If we look in Corinthians, do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits people around our world speaking into that aspect of our world is why we see the community around us in generational poverty. People connected with people that don't understand finances causes to have no plan or bad financial plans continue in our life. Again, I, I, I asked you if I could be honest. People telling us that a good plan is to have no job and to be on Centrelink is not a good financial plan for our future. And I know you giggle, and I don't mean to be funny. I'm, listen, I'm not trying to be funny in this. I'm actually trying to be serious. This is a, a generational picture of our environment. Our church is planted in the middle of one of the key areas in our city that generational welfare is very, very real. And it's real because there's an inability to see past because of the whole world that we live in is, is seeing that. I look around this room, I see people that are 
saying, God, I want to grow out of this and I want to change my world and my family. To you, I say, you are the heroes in this house. You are the heroes that say, I want to change my life, change my world, change my generational picture of finance. Well done to you. But keep the right people speaking into that aspect of your world. Listen, investing continually in things like alcohol and other vices in our lives is poor financial planning. But in this community, in this society, is the financial investment that I see more than any other investment. And it needs to be changed and it never changes with other people encouraging us to stay in that investment picture for our world. Again, if you're in this room and you're saying, I'm changing, I'm moving out of this, you are the heroes of the house and I am grateful for the Kingdom of God burning around your life. Listen, we never break out of this poverty cycle unless we get new uh, voices in our ears and in our head that help us think different about how we live. And that goes to full areas of blessing. If you have never had a good understanding of finances, get around people in this room that have a godly understanding of finances for their world and let them speak into your life. Next, simply learn to save and invest. Part of a good financial plan is learning to actually have something left over for the challenges that we walk through. Listen, if the last two years have taught us anything, we don't know what's happening next. True? If it's taught us anything, it's that. I don't know what's happening tomorrow, so I need something saved for tomorrow. I need something in my world because most likely something's gonna go wrong tomorrow. Now, I don't wanna be negative in the room. I'm not trying to be negative. I'm trying to be truthful. This last two years have told me, I don't know what's happening next. I'm not sure. I, I can't tell you. Is there another plague coming? Maybe. We could all have monkeypox by next week, apparently. <laughs> Is COVID coming back? I look at all you second timers in the room, most likely. Who knows? I don't know. I'm not sure, but I'm sure of this. There's godly principles for our lives that we should have something saved up for tomorrow just in case. What do you mean this godly principle? Proverbs 21, 20. The wise store up choice food and oil. The fools gulp theirs down. If you're not sure if this is godly, saving is godly. Who's telling us this? The richest king ever, godly man. The one that said, God, give me wisdom. I don't want anything else but wisdom. And in the wisdom that he received, he received blessing. Because of wisdom, he got to a place where he said, listen, we're not sure what's coming on tomorrow. So have something stored up for tomorrow. Again, I'm not a financial advisor, but simply having something in case tomorrow's gonna be tough again. In case monkeypox breaks out, in case fluvid, is that what it's called? I don't know, whatever goes on. In case the Russians invade Australia, I don't know. Have something stored up in case something goes on tomorrow. Have something stored up in our lives. Listen, it's difficult to store stuff. We all like to spend today. I feel like, has anyone ever seen a kid in the lolly aisle at, in the Woolworths when he's going, 
Mom, I want that lolly. And mom's going, no, you can't have that lolly. Mom, I want it now. No, you can't have it now. All of a sudden, they're on the floor kicking their feet on the ground. Mom, now. Now, none of us would have children like that, I'm sure. I want it now. Isn't that the worst place for a child to chuck a tantrum? They need some encouragement into their future. But in this day and age, the encouragement in the future is way more dangerous than it used to be. Isn't it funny? Like every parent that's there while the kid's chucking the tantrum, that kid needs a smack. But if you smack that every parent, what are you smacking that kid? Isn't that to feel like that's the challenge in today? Flip. But inside of every single one of us, is a three-year-old in a lolly aisle when it comes to our finances. I want to now. I want to spend today. I don't want to hold on to this. I don't want to save. I want my lolly now. Give it to me. I want to spend my money. And if I don't have it, I want to put it on afterpay. Again, none of us in this room know anything that I'm talking about. Obviously by that giggling. You've seen it in your neighbour. Listen, afterpay is debt. That's what it is. Again, I told you I was going to be honest today. There is good debt. Again, investing in a house that's growing, it's building, it's helping you to invest into your future. Even a car, again, not the one that's trying to impress everybody that costs too much and you can't afford. But those things that help us, they're the wise options. Wisdom needs maturity. Dave Ramsey said this, maturity is the ability to delay pleasure. Isn't that a painful statement? I want it now. I'm kicking my feet in the lolly aisle. Give it to me now, mum. But we don't have mum anymore. We're wasting our own money and we're just doing that. Let's move on. Finally, learn to invest and sow. Sowing does this. It ensures that we understand what Jesus was saying it ensures we never trust in riches. Sowing for the last 40 plus years of my life has continually ensured that I'm not trusting in finances. Yes, I'm grateful that God has blessed me with finances, but I'm not trusting it because I always am able to give it away. Sowing does that inside my heart. Sowing is a spiritual internal thing that has changed my heart time and time and time again. And I am so grateful that God continues to encourage me to sow. I come to faith, love and hope in a couple of weeks time and God's already put on my heart a bigger amount than last year that stretched me last year to sow again. God's put it in me and I'm grateful that He does that because He's stretching me and saying it's time to sow so that I would never just trust in what's in my hand. I trust in my God that's put it in my hand. I trust in Him. Sowing does that to me continually. It helps me to continually sow and release, but it also opens up my future. Luke 6, 38, Give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over, poured into your lap. The amount that you give will determine the amount you get back. Listen, if you read that in the carnal mind, you think I'm going to sow and next week I get back. Don't come to this in the carnal mind. If you come in the carnal mind, you get back the carnal results of your life. 
And it's a result of brokenness and mess. You've got to come in a spiritual understanding. God, I'm releasing into your kingdom. I'm releasing into your world. And I know what flows into my life. I know the blessing that's come. I'm not coming with a carnal understanding and expecting. I'm coming just knowing spiritually, God, I sow into your kingdom. This week in Vision Builders, we had a guest speaker, Ashley Gulo, and he spoke a powerful word. But I want to just give you a quick snippet of one of the statements he made. He said, debt is borrowing from your future. Sowing is giving to your future. Sowing and generosity are future-focused actions whose foundation is completely in faith. I, he had it up on the screen. I, I took a photo straight away. I'm like, wow. Wow. Debt is borrowing from my future. Borrowing. Afterpay is borrowing from my future to get what I want now. Getting a, a, a small line, borrowing from my future to get what I want now. But sowing is an investment into my future. Listen, if I can teach you any of these simple things, sowing is one of the key ones. Sowing has been such a beautiful picture for my life. Sowing hasn't always fixed my stupid. I just got to be clear on this. Whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. Sometimes my stupid repped stupid. Sometimes my stupid repped financial challenge. But sowing has carried me even through some of those things. Sowing and reaping. Listen, today I've tried to just be honest and practical. And I trust you've walked out of this room with one tip at least for your life and for your future. As we go into a great season of looking at blessing and sowing, I trust that God does something in our hearts and in our lives. And let me just pray as we wrap up here this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your grace that meets us in spite of sometimes our stupid decisions. Jesus, your, your Word says your grace met us while we were yet sinners. You met us there. You met us in a place where our, our decisions for life our decisions for our future had caused us a lot of challenge. You met us there. You loved us. Your grace was enough for us and you took us into our future. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. And I pray that as we go into this faith, love, hope season, you continually move us into our future. Continue to help us in our decision-making processes. God, I pray for maybe people in this room that don't know Christ. God, maybe their decision-making process has been full of brokenness and today you want to meet us at that point and try and draw us to a new area of our life a new area of our future i know this message will keep speaking to you as you continue your day so for more information about city point west jump on citypointchurch.com or follow our social media accounts instagram city point west or our facebook city point church west have a great day